G'day and welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. We hope you find this encouraging. Um, it's good to be here and welcome. There's a few new faces, so it's good to have you here and hope you feel welcome and at ease. Um, and for those that are new, I don't know if Beth mentioned at the start, but we have dinner together every week and people bring stuff to share but if you've come unprepared and you didn't bring something to share that's totally fine I actually brought like the amount of four families with me tonight of food so like there's heaps <laughs> I brought four different things anyway there's heaps of food um, so please feel welcome to stay we need more eaters we are short on eaters lately so please stay and eat um, but we love to have that time of fellowship together it is so good to just connect and chat and yeah, we find having a meal together is such a great way of growing in community together. So yeah, please feel very welcome to join us afterwards. Um, stay for as long or as short as you like. Um, I'm, I love your jokes, Beth. I think I know where you stole them. <laughs> um, they're great. I've got a joke of my own. Well, I'm stealing this joke from, I've t- probably told half the people here already because I just thought it was so adorable and cute. But Eden today um, at the football, so Eden's three, our youngest, and um, Hudson was boundary umpiring for um, Esther's game today. And it was so cute. As we left Hudson, you know, uh, with the umpires or whatever to go back to the car, she yells up, bye, Hudson. Have fun with your boundary pie. <laughs> oh, umpire. Oh, so cute. Um, so that was adorable. Um, uh, yesterday, I had the great joy of joining in with the Hills Baptist had a women's event up, up in Verdun, and they asked me to come and share, which I did. And Beth came along, and my mom, and because it was just the two of them there, I was like, great, I can like recycle what I preached there. For you guys, um, so sorry to Mum and Beth that have to have uh, seconds leftovers. Mum can't remember, so it's good. <laughs> and it's no trouble, as Paul would say, and it's no trouble for me to remind you again of what I've spoken before. Um, and yeah, I I think I love going to other churches and other communities, and I really encourage. For all of us, I know, having an evening church makes it a bit easier. Like, if you ever want to, please, not that you need it, but, like, our full blessing to, like, visit other churches and other friends and people that have different churches going on. It's so good when we can, like, just be in fellowship with each other and be connected across the body, across the city, and just have these, like, bonds of love, brotherly affection. And, yeah, I love being able to go somewhere else and feel like I get to know another church and the people there and just to encourage each other it's such a such a great thing so um yeah so that was really fun and I'm excited to I'm actually splitting the word I spoke yesterday across two weeks so I'll do half of it tonight half of it next week so much mileage out of this one preach I'm loving it um <laughs> so relaxing when you've like done all the prep and you just uh, and I it was I really enjoyed yesterday but it's so good preaching here, and I'm so at ease and so comfortable. It's always a little more nerve-wracking being somewhere else, so I'm glad I get to, like, share it again and, and be even more, like, relaxed. And I know um, it'll be a blessing to us all. But, um, yeah, let me say a prayer first, and then we'll get into it. 
Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here with us. And Lord, we know that um, we can't, you know, we can't grow in, le- in our understanding of, of you without your spirit revealing that to us. And so, Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to be at work in this place, in our hearts, in our minds, and through the words that I bring and through looking in your word. Lord, let it, would you reveal things to us? Would you open our eyes? Would you open our ears that we would be receptive to what you're saying to us tonight, that we would not just understand and turn away and forget, but that we would receive and we would actually, it would soak into us, it would take root in us, and it would um, bring life in us. So, Lord, we ask for that today. Amen. So, um, I'm going to really be so um, focusing in on Matthew chapter 13. So, if you want to turn to that, we're going to look at one of the, I guess it's probably the most famous parable of Jesus, the parable of the sower. Um, and Jesus actually says to the disciples, because he, he does the parable and then they, go, they ask him to explain it. And he's like, what? You don't understand this one. How are you not going to understand everything else? So um, I guess he thought it was pretty self-explanatory as well. But he does kindly go into an explanation. So we're going to read both the parable and then Jesus' explanation. But the fact that he's like, you know, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand the others. Like, there's something really fa- foundational about this parable, and it's a really significant one. Uh, I guess the principles and the concepts that we get from this parable uh, really help, I think, open up other things that Jesus had to say. So we want to tune in and hear what he is saying. And, you know, I really love the Word of God and, you know, the way that God uses these parables and these pictures and throughout scripture it's full of metaphors and symbols and ideas and it's like so cool because you know it's the word of God what he's trying to convey to us is so much more than just like uh, a concept you know it's not just conceptual and so it's like you know you kind of think well if there was a more easy straightforward way of explaining himself like why didn't he just do it like just cut to the chase just tell us what you mean but there's something about sharing it in a parable or in a metaphor that I think is actually more effective than just getting straight to the point I think you know if we and my guess is that it's something to do with if we think we understand it conceptually we like we can miss the point it's like no there's something deeper here and the things that he's wanting to convey to us are, are deep and spiritual things and they're not just a mental concept. Like we can think we understand it and totally miss the point and he's like trying to get to our hearts. And I think there's something about a metaphor, a picture that kind of touches our heart in a way. That it's like hearing a song. It, it, it goes into the heart. It, it kind of sometimes bypasses something in the mind or our mind can sort of trip us up. Um, I love something Brian Simmons, he's, he um, authored the Passion Translation he asked the question, um, what is the language of God? And, you know, he put it out there, do you think it's English? I'm like, yeah, probably not English. Uh, Hebrew? Is the language of God Hebrew? Is the language of God Greek? And he, his conclusion or his answer was, the language of God is pictures. And I was like, hmm, that's something to ponder and I really like that's something that's been in my mind ever since and I think as I read these parables and these stories I'm reminded of that this idea of 
it's a whole picture. It's not just one, you know, God can't be restrained to like a 2D picture or a flat words. It's like, it's, it's so, you know, so much bigger than that. And so like, here's, here's God of the universe trying to convey to our little finite minds, these huge concepts, these huge realities. And, and how are we to receive them? How are we to like take it in and then be transformed by it when it's so, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. And he's trying to invite us into this greater reality. And, you know, it's a challenge, but there's something about these metaphors, these pictures that it, it's like bringing us into something and wetting our appetite. Um, and I love that. And that whole thing of a picture paints a thousand words. And it makes me think of things like communion, you know, it's, he doesn't just say, you know, think about me as the bread and think about me as the wine or the br- It's like, here, take, eat, drink. Like, it's this this 3D thing. It's a, it's a tangible experience that he's invited into to help us to understand, to take it in. It's not just, I'm not just going to tell you I'm the bread and I'm the wine. It's like, no, I want you to actually eat the bread, drink the wine, and reflect on that. You know, it's an experiential thing he's inviting us into. And so, you know, I, I think he's the best teacher. You know, he's an amazing teacher. And he's finding these ways to teach us and to, to guide us into all truth that is so much bigger than just a mental concept. It's like it's an experience he's inviting into. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. And there's so many treasures for us to find as we, we get stuck into it. And it's such an exciting journey. Who feels excited? <laughs> um, so let's read the parable, and then I'll read the explanation. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then we'll go to the explanation. In verse 18 to 23. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Amen. There's a lot 
in this passage and there's so much to keep meditating on and digesting and um you know i think the first thing i guess the obvious thing that comes to mind like in reflection on this to me is the distinguishing factor in a life of fruitfulness or not is our response to god's word And ultimately, too, like, God is the judge of whether we live a fruitful life or not, not us and not other people. So, you know, you could, by the world's standards, be having a really fruitful, successful life, but in God's eyes, it could be completely not. And we're, he- we're wanting to please God. We're wanting, we're, we're wanting, he's the creator, so it's really, it's his standard and his definition of fruitfulness that matters. And it's very easy for us to get, you know, follow a a worldly path of success and actually waste our life um so that's you know something to be sober about i guess um but yeah what is it what what is it that makes good soil and you know there's god's part in it and our part like his word is good it doesn't return void um, and it's a gift of his grace. But then there's also, well, there's something that we do in response. There's something that we have control over that can be a factor in how that takes in our hearts or not. And I guess the obvious thing too when we look at this passage is to think about people responding or rejecting salvation or the you know the gospel or the good news, which I think it definitely is that. But, you know, we're in this journey of life and growth in God that continues, you know, after that first decision and we continue to receive the word of God and respond to it in our lives. And like Jesus said, my bread is to do the will of him who sent me. And, you know, his his daily sustenance is like the will of God, the word of God. And that's the same for us. We will grow and, and continue to flourish um, or not, depending on continuing to receive that word and respond to that word. So it's true for people, whether they come into the kingdom or not, but also for us, like, words can come, words from God can come into our lives, and they can get choked out by the, like, things. One that I've reflected a lot in recent months is this one about the the deceitfulness. I think it says the deceitfulness of wealth. And and I think, I don't know, other, where is it? But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. And some translations bring it out more where it's almost like, it's even like the pleasures of life. It's like the deceitfulness of wealth. It's not necessarily bad. It's like good things, the pleasures of life. The, they choke out the word because I think they can just become a distraction and something you give yourself to instead of God's word. And God's word gets crowded out by these other things. Um, and yeah, so I guess the, the thing I've been want to bring out, and this is, is trying to tune into what it is that makes us good soil like it's a really sobering reality you know how we respond to god or not it's a really really matters and you know we want to know what what do we do to be good soil to be responding to god in such a way that his word will take root in our lives and go on to flourish and reproduce and not get choked out and not you know um wither away so we're going to do a little bit of a Bible study on this word. Um, I'm pulling out the word, that word understand, because in the first example, it says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, 
that was the first example, and then it got snatched away. So he didn't understand. Snatched. And in the last example of the w- person that did well, who hears the word and understands it, this is the one who produces a crop. So what is that understand? Because I think, like I was getting at before, it's more than just a head knowledge of, oh, I kind of understand it, I get it. It's like, what is this word understand actually getting at? So let's look at it. I think, I think we might have a slide. I've got the Greek word. Aren't you impressed? Thanks, Lockie. <laughs> so the Greek word for understand, it's in both times it's used here. It's the same word, which is sunami, um, and it means to set together, to understand. And this is unpacking it's more properly put together. That is to join facts and ideas into a comprehensive interlocking whole synthesize, put facts together. It means to arrive at a summary or final understanding, complete with life applications. Accordingly, Sunami is closely connected with discerning and doing the preferred will of God. Um, I thought this was really cool because when I was reading this, it it made me think of this picture of like all these puzzle pieces. And if you think of like the word of God, I always read the Bible, we get these different puzzle pieces, we get these different snippets. And it's like when we get revelation, it's like the Holy Spirit's taking those different pieces and putting them together. And you go, you know, something clicks, you know, in your mind. It's like he reveals something to you. He brings it together. And to me, this also helps us understand why the word of God can be so misused because people can take a piece and it's not fitting properly together with other parts. And it's like, uh, just bad. Um, <laughs> I think you know what I mean. Um, but how beautiful, like, this idea of a true understanding and this biblical word of understanding is more than just, a, oh, yeah, I get that. Or, yep, that makes logical sense. It's like, no, I understand it. I see how that fits in and fits together. And it's... And it's res- I understand it, which means it results in a change. There's something that changes in me as a result. There's a life application is connected with understanding. And, and I think this is often, we get tripped up, and I think maybe it's a cultural thing or the way that, I don't know, they talk about our different ways that we get brought up in our society or culture. We can be very one way, like very, think, you know, mind-oriented um, or thought-oriented. And then, or also people want to s- split the two, like there's the, the thinking, the theological types, and there's, oh, I just want to be about social justice and doing, doing good works, and we kind of separate the two, and it's like, I love the book of James, and if you want to flip there, there's a great passage, I think I've put it at the end, um, the whole thing of faith and works being so, they're interlocked, you can't separate them. When we have faith in God, it will result in actions. And yeah, so in James 1, 22 to 27, James chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I can probably just stop there. That's pretty much the sermon in a nutshell. It's like, do not merely listen to the word. And so someone could hear it, like the seed goes out, you hear it. You hear it, but you don't do anything with it. Nothing changes, Nothing. no response, no revelation about it, no action, no shift. It's like, 
that's a deception. And it's actually really, and I think this is part of why Jesus spoke in parables is, is like the more knowledge you have that you're not acting on, that's actually really dangerous for us spiritually. And Shane has this little phrase, says like we're educated beyond our obedience. And it's so good and so true. Like sometimes extra knowledge doesn't necessarily help us. It can actually hinder us that we have all this knowledge, but we're not acting on it. It actually can be damaging for our spiritual life. Like we need to, better to know a little and be responsive to it than to, you know, have, oh, I know all this stuff, but you, it's not actually resulting in change. Like, and that, that becomes deception. That becomes a barrier between you and God. And, and you, you know, it talks about knowledge puffs up. It's like we get focused on, oh, I know all this stuff. It's like, no, like, does your knowledge result in action? Does it result in change in you? And if it doesn't, like, maybe just strip back, just focus on one thing and, you know, let that impact our hearts. Anyway, I'll keep going with James. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This is the idea of that hearing. It's like responding, like looking at the word, understanding it. It changes you. Like, oh, and I love this analogy is so good because it's talking about us knowing our identity. This idea of looking into the, a mirror. It's like we read the word. We're meant to discover who we are. This is the mirror, like God speaking. This is who you are. This is what I've done. Look into it and know your identity and walk in that. Remember who you are. Let it change your actions as a result. And then I'm tempted to leave this out because it doesn't sound as like spiritual. But again, it's all about the practicalities with God. It goes on to say, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted from the world. You know, it's so, it's so practical. It's like, you know, I think Jesus really doesn't like religious people. He doesn't like us to be talking the talk but not walking the walk, like hypocrisy. That's pretty much the worst thing we can do or be is to be fake or, yeah, talk one way and live a different way. It's like, talk and walk. Like, let it be consistent. Let, and it should show itself in practical every day. The way we speak, the way we live, the way we re- relate to people, that's what his word does in our lives. Um, we'll jump back to the uh, Matthew 13. So if we hear the word of God, but it changes nothing, we fall into this sad category that Jesus speaks of just before he gives this parable. He says, they are are ever hearing, this is in verse 15 of chapter 13, ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. It's like so tragic. But like, why? Why do some not hear? 
and he goes on to tell us, it says, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. So hard hearts, hard ground, where God's word does not, cannot penetrate and transform as it is intended. Like, what is a hard heart? I think, like, when we think of hard-hearted or hard-head or, like, can you think of an obstinate or stubborn person that you know? Just spring them to mind. Maybe it's yourself. I don't know. <laughs> um, don't say out loud who you think you know. Okay, but when we think of all things on that stubborn, like, stubborn people, ugh, right? Someone who doesn't want to listen to others. Like they've made up their mind and it doesn't matter what you say. You know, like I could bring the best argument. I could show them like all the proof or this or that. And they will not listen, right? Like it's just hard. There's a wall. There's like, ugh. You know that feeling? It's like, ugh, I can't get through. Like the defenses are up. The walls are up. Like they're hard. And none of us want to be that when it comes to God speaking to us. Right? We don't want to be a stubborn, obstinate, hard-hearted, hard ground. So God's like, I want to speak this, but it's bouncing off. It can't get in. We don't want to be that, do we? We want to be soft ground. That when God's word, it touches us, it's like just burst into life because we're so ready. We're so soft to him. We're so ready to hear his voice. So how do we ensure our hearts are soft and that we are attuned to him? That we aren't not only hear with our you know, ears, and, but we perceive with our spirit what he's speaking. And that we, we allow him to like bring things together and give revelation that results in change in our lives. At the end of verse 15, it says, Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. The end result of like actually hearing and seeing and you know being receptive to what God is saying is healing in us. It's life, you know. God has said, you know, in the Old Testament, He's like, "I set before you life and death. Choose life." He's like, "I want you to have life." Like He wants to bring healing. Like you can hear the sort of like grief in in His voice of like, otherwise they would hear and they would be able to be healed like I just want to heal them like why would we keep hard-hearted to God when we know he wants to heal us he wants to bring that into us hearing God results in healing and life and I think it is possible to go from being hard to being soft that change is possible and um, it's looking at another um, where is it? The word turn. We're going to look at the word turn. I'm going to put another slide up. It was in, um, yeah, that in that verse 15 where it says, otherwise they would, he- they would turn and I would heal them. I thought, let's look, what is this word turn? Because this is the key thing from going from not being able to hear to being able to hear. It's turning. One small movement. So this is the Greek word for turn which means to turn. Um, <laughs> so profound. 
Um, or to return, and usage includes turning back, turning around, turns back, and it is used in the context of like people coming back to God, turning back to Him. And I don't know if you've heard, uh, I've heard the definition for repentance as to change your mind. It's like, or to do like a 180. It's like, oh, I'm going this way. I've got my own ideas, my own obstinate, hard-hearted ideas about who I am or who God is or, or about other people. To go, oh, okay, maybe I'm going the wrong way. Maybe my ideas about this are not right. I'm going to actually turn and, what's God saying? I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to turn back to him turn to what he's saying and allow myself to hear it and receive it and go, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong and I'm sorry. God, I turn and I want to follow you. We, we can shift. And that's the mercy of God, that we can shift from being one way to another. We can soften our hearts to him. Let his, like, you know, breaking and soften us. Um. Or another word we could use, and this was the key word I, I spoke I used yesterday was yield. Yielding to God. No longer fighting or pushing against him, but recognizing his goodness and truth and sovereignty. To just be able to say sorry to God or to other people. Say, I'm sorry. To relinquish our own understanding and yield to his. To say, you know, you're God. You're the potter, I am the clay. You are right, I'm right. Wherever there's a difference in opinion between me and God, he's right. And I'm going to be soft and turn and be quick to turn and adjust to be more like him. I'm not going to be, you know, and the one thing as I was preparing this that comes into mind is forgiveness. Because I think it's, such an important one to forgive and we can feel so we can get hard towards people and towards things and just to be soft and go okay I'm going to forgive I'm going to do what God says to do I'm going to relinquish um but something to ponder if God's putting that on your heart is there someone you need to forgive um but to make it really practical, to cultivate a soft heart, to be receptive to God's word, um, I think there's two key things that we need. And those two things I would say are humility and faith. And I was just talking about that. That, that response, that willingness to turn, that's humility. And recognizing God's God and I'm not God and I'm submitting to him. I'm, I'm willing to say I'm wrong and you're right. I'm willing to learn from him. I'm to respond to him. I'm, I'm willing to give him the reins of my life to go, I'm your servant, not the other way around. I'm here for you, God. My life is a vessel for you. So what do you want to do? What do you want to say? I'll, I'll adjust. I'll course correct wherever you want. I'm humble. I'm a humble person is willing to be redirected by God. And the other one is faith. And it says in Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I always think it's helpful to think of faith because, again, it can be a spiritual word or concept and feel a bit not practical. But I think faith practically is just agreeing with God, which ties in with the humility. It's like, well, I might not feel like I'm lovable or God loves me. I don't really feel like a child of God. But he says that I am. 
So I'm going to say that I am too. Uh, I'm a child of God. I'm agreeing with him. I'm saying whatever he's saying, I'm saying yes to it. I'm saying amen to it. I'm not going, oh, God said it, but oh, I don't really feel it. No, I'm not really. No, agree with it. doesn't matter what you think or feel about it. He said it, so that's true. So agree with it. And sometimes we just, that's humility. We just adjust, even though we're not there yet, maybe in our emotions, because that's not the be all and end all. It's like we're submitting to him. We're adjusting to him. We're agreeing with him. And this is what the enemy is constantly seeking to get from us, our agreement. He wants us, because if he can get us to agree with him, then that's like the enemy gets to plant his seeds in our life. And he can plant in our garden things. And he can choke out the word of God. And he can keep us from being fruitful. So we don't, obviously, we don't want that. Um, we want to agree with God. And so we need to be attuned to what does God's word say? And so that we can recognize when, because it's all happening in our minds, this attack, this battle. When a, something comes that's contrary to God's word, we can recognize it and go, you know what, I'm, and it's, I don't know, maybe you can think of an example. Can anyone think of an example of like a lie of the enemy that could be a bit sneaky that will come into your head? That would, you'd feel like you want to agree with it. I'm dumb. So maybe something happens, you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. And you say that even out loud. I'm so stupid. It's like, that's agreeing with the devil. Because that's not the truth about us. And it's like, that's not what God would say about you. And so it's, it's actually humble to go, you know what, I'm not dumb. God's, I'm going to reject that. I'm going to say, you know, well, I guess some people are less intelligent than others, but, <laughs> but you know, we wouldn't, no, he wouldn't say, it's not an insult, <laughs> but we need a better example. No, you know, I have everything I need for life and godliness might be a better one to this. It's like, no, I, it's not, I'm not insufficient. I'm not insufficient. I have what I need. I have, God has said, I have everything I need for life and godliness. So I'm dumb or I'm not good enough or I can't do it. You know, if he's called you to do something, you know, I think, I don't know, as a parent, you can often have things like, ah, oh, like, you know, I'm not a good mom or I'm not good enough or, you know, I'm failing my kids or, and I think, you know, we have to stand, I'm like, no, God's equipped me for this. He's enabled me to do this, and he's giving me what I need to do this. And even to speak that out and say it, even when we don't feel it, even when we make, it's not denying when we've made mistakes, but it's going, no, God is with me, and he's called me to this, and I can do this in his strength. You know, to say that, that's agreeing with God, and that's really powerful because it's like taking that word, that's like kind of fertilizing the word in us is like speak it out loud and declare it and agree with it. And, and it allows it to, to begin to take root in us. It's really practical. So, and I think, you know, we can feel overwhelmed. Sometimes you just need to take, take a little thing and just notice, oh, this is a lie that I fall for. Or um, it might be, I could never forgive that person might be one of them. You go, no, that's not true. God has commanded that we forgive everyone. And he will give us the ability to do that. So you go, no, I forgive you, that person in Jesus' name. God, help me to forgive I release them to you Lord they don't owe me anything 
you owe me god make it right um yeah we want to be responsive to the word of god and and we have a part to play in it and i don't i hope that i'm just about to wrap up but i hope that i'd, I'd hate for you to feel like it's a brick in the backpack like oh all right this is something i need to do i need to like pay attention do this right yes in a way but at the end of the day like the whole thing that's happening here it's like a intimate connection with god it's like him speak what he's seeking is a a place to dwell and he wants to speak life into us he wants us to flourish he wants us to you know it says in john 15 abide in the vine and you'll bear much fruit the key to being fruitful and yes there's these practical things but at the end of the day the simplest way to think about it is like stay close to jesus draw near to him be with him when we're close to him we'll bear much fruit and apart from him we can do nothing and so our job really our only job is to just stay close to Jesus and he will do everything else he'll show us what we need to do and what we need to maybe focus on our work and we don't have to figure it out we don't need to I used to I had a real revelation some a few years back when that verse that says we are his workmanship and that you know like he will complete what he finished and I was like I'm God's workmanship. And I realized I was like approaching my life, my faith, like I was my own workmanship. And it was like, okay, what do I need to work on next? What do I need to tackle next? I need to work on this fruit of the spirit. or I need to, you know, develop in this area to be a better disciple. And, you know, there can be some things that's helpful in that, but only if God's calling you to something to do, to specifically do, he's leading in it. You know, we're his project. He's working in us, like, if he's the potter and we're the clay, that should be really liberating of like, I'm his responsibility. What I look like at the end is dependent on his workmanship, but our role in it is to be yielded to him. Like just to not make it, it's like, just don't get in the way, really. Just like, don't, don't dry up and become <laughs> unmoldable. Like just stay, you know, moist. <laughs> Just stay, just stay soaking in, you know. He'll make a, I use this analogy yesterday, like when you're having a baby and the baby's inside you, like all you have to do to make that baby grow is what? Eat, sleep, don't die. Like, that's it. Obviously, you know, in most cases when things are going according to plan, it's very much like it's the best. It's like I just can I can eat more than normal. I can just I don't have to go, oh, at two o'clock I need to eat um, three carrots and at four o'clock I need to eat this and then I need to have a nap at this so that the, the leg is going to develop today. It's not like that. It's not a burden. It's not. It's like I just have to eat and sleep and stay alive and the baby will grow. And that's really our life in Christ. It's like just eat eat the word of god the bread of god like his life eat it and and him and his presence his bread the bread of his presence like be with him be in the word be with jesus sleep rest in him don't die <laughs> and it will just happen like the, my yoke is easy and my burden is light you know it's just let's just enjoy the journey <laughs> yes I am promoting pregnancy it's the best um, anyway I'm going to wrap up there because I'm going to do part two next week and um, 
So that's it for now. But 